0: Hey guys, welcome back to Beyond the RX. This is your host Shweta Kochi, and today we have with us Rishi Dev. He's an MD PhD candidate at University of Alabama. Thanks for making time for us today, Rishi. How are you?
1: Doing well. Thank you for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit about yourself and why you chose the MD PhD route.
1: My parents immigrated here in '98. I, I am Indian American. I have a younger brother who's in high school. Um, Outside of academics, I'm a hip-hop dancer and I love to hike, um, love to travel and just kind of explore the outdoors. So why MD-PhD? I have always been inclined towards medicine. Um, My mom had a lot of health issues when I was a child, so I kind of wanted to give back to the society that gave to my mom. And then in 2018, I was doing a summer fellowship and a wet lab experience. Uh, We were studying the neuroepigenetics of learning and memory, specifically the ubiquitin proteasome system in the context of fear memory. And as we were working on all the Western blots and such, I was talking to my PI and he was explaining to me how everything we were doing was kind of new, very new, to the point where it's like, we don't know what the results are going to show yet. Previous literature kind of indicates to a certain angle and it, it like it just kind of sparked this interest where everything that research can do almost leads to a new sense of hope, a novel discovery. And- bringing that context to medicine kind of changed my perspective because my mom had a lot of migraines outside of other health issues. And she had, there was a period in time where no medication worked for her. I always had previously seen medicine as like this limited um, resource, but then bringing in research into it, I was like, wait, maybe you can change that limitation. Maybe you can expand that limitation, um, take away that limitation, you know, like discover new therapies, discover new treatments. And kind of almost pioneer a new sense of hope for these patients that might feel like they're kind of lost, like my mom felt. So that's when I was like, I really want to get into that. I really want to find that intersect between science and medicine because I also noticed there was a lot of discourse. Scientists were doing their thing. Doctors were doing their, their thing. And I wondered what if there was more collaboration between the both, what can come out of that? And so that's kind of what inspired me to pursue that. And then UAB, phenomenal program. Um, so I'm really grateful to be here and start my journey here.
0: That's amazing. So you just started, right? It's been a, a couple of weeks now. Uh, tell us a little bit about like the couple of weeks that you've had so far and like your experience so far.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm very fresh in my journey. I just finished my first rotation uh, two weeks ago. So the way UAB has it set up is we have uh, two years of pre-clerkship, the first two years of med school, and then you take a break to get your PhD. Typically four years can be five or six or longer, hopefully four. And then afterwards you come back to finish up Your uh, clerkship years, your clinical years, third and fourth year. Between the summers of first and second year, and the one before first year, you have a summer rotation where the whole point of rotations is to find your mentor to do your PhD with. So I just finished my first one. Um, very cool experience. I studied the hypoxic regulation of glioblastoma and non-small cell lung cancer, the HIF protein specifically, and so it was a really cool experience. I've never studied like neuro oncology, and now I'm starting to get interested in that as well so we'll see where I end up doing my PhD in but yeah now I'm two weeks into medical school and I'm getting ready for fundamentals right now we're wrapping up patient doctor society which is really fascinating course it's honestly developing your biopsychosocial model and understanding health equity health disparities medical ethics really at the forefront of your medical education before you begin the nitty-gritty details of science
0: oh that's so exciting you, you mentioned you were like doing your research rotation on neuro oncology as the field. Do you know any MD, PhD or physician scientists that get their PhD in let's say neurology and then decide to practice as cardiologists or like do two different things? Do you know people that do that?
1: Yes, it is definitely a possibility. There was a MD, PhD physician scientist at my undergrad who got his PhD in environmental science, and now is a neurosurgeon. So really, it's whatever you want it to be, whatever you want your career to be. Maybe you're very interested in something when you're doing your PhD, and then you decide to take your career in a different direction. Honestly, the whole point of the PhD is to learn how to be a scientist, to learn how to think like a scientist. So it really doesn't matter what you do, because whatever it is, you're still going to be That curious individual that wants to ask a question properly, ask the right questions, and then answer them in the right way with significant data and really critiquing yourself, but also developing that investigative mindset in every avenue and hopefully bringing that to healthcare if you want to do the MD-PhD.
0: That makes sense. So can you give an example of an instance where like the scientific thinking and that thought process that you would get only as a scientist may differ from someone that has a more clinical mindset, like an MD
1: Yeah. If we're going to talk basic science specifically, in medical school, it's pretty tough to kind of take off two to three days just to do a Western blot, which happens to be two to three days consecutively. So I think the PhD almost gives you this protected time to do that basic science research. Now, obviously you can do clinical research and you can do um, other types of research throughout medical school, but these four to five years of protected time will really give you that insight of what can I do to really progress my science, progress that um, mindset and then bringing it to healthcare. I think, I think the best example is when you see something that's missing, um, kind of like what I mentioned earlier with my mom's medications and migraines and trying to understand why it's missing and then bringing that to the lab and actually doing it. I had the privilege of actually seeing this in practice where that MD, PhD neurosurgeon that I mentioned earlier, I was shadowing him in surgery and he was implanting a deep brain stimulator that he had worked on in his own lab. So seeing that, seeing something that he wanted to develop from scratch or by collaborating with other individuals with the same idea that he has, and then bringing it to the patients that might have not had that option prior to that is what the point of the MD-PhD is, is, at least in my opinion. Um, so that's, that was the best example that I got to, I was so happy to finally see it. Cause I was like, wow, this happens this. I mean, I want to become a surgeon scientist too. So to see it in practice really gave me hope to pursue that.
0: Yeah. I've noticed this uh, trend a lot with dual programs in general. So I was talking to one of my peers, who's MD MBA. And we were talking about the difference in thought process between someone that has a business mindset that has an MBA is an is an entrepreneur, and someone that has an MD or like a medical mindset. So let's say like, you're thinking about like a health startup, and you're trying to sell this product or to patients, right? Down to like Mm -hmm. the terms down to the jargon that you use, like, the, the business people, the entrepreneurs will say like, oh, this is my client. Whereas the doctors will be like, oh, this is my patient. And then when you're looking at the product, mm. the doctors will think about like compliance, right? Like this product, will it be easy for patients to use? Will they use it regularly? Like, for example, like drug development, you don't want a drug that you would have to take three times a day because there's no way a, par- a patient is going to take something three times a day and be compliant with it in the long term. Whereas like if Absolutely. you have to take a drug like once a day that's a lot easier to manage. And so like, that's the same thing with products too. So like, you notice that with MD MBAs as well, where like, why do you pursue a dual degree? Because you want to, to um, experience both uh, types of thought processes and learn both of them um, in like a degree thought out curriculum. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I see that a lot. Actually, right now, we just finished um, a lecture on health equity um, and health systems. And I noticed myself wondering more of that like, well, why is that happening in the first place? What are the factors that contribute to that? But also just like bringing that to science as well. Like how can we research that? How can we put this into an experiment? What are the data points that we need to collect in order to actually make this like a study with a conclusion that we can then take as an actionable item. Um, And then in like, we had a case study earlier today. And as the patient was talking about um, their diagnosis, all I could think about was the mechanism. Well, what is the mechanism that's causing that? Like, why did they need that medication in the first place? Why did this happen in the first place? How can we prevent that? And also what are certain targets within that mechanism that we can identify that are maybe novel that haven't been discovered yet? And I think that's the mindset that like, I'm hoping to develop with the PhD, right? And then the clinical mindset is like, well, what are, what are some factors that are contributing to the, like, health outcomes that we see in this country today. Quality, um, life. quality of life. Yeah, exactly. Is the care appropriate? What makes a good physician? How do I empathize with the patient? Those concepts too, I won't get in the PhD, but I'll get as an MD. So yeah, you're right. Definitely different perspectives can come out of different degrees. And that's where more collaboration needs to occur across all genres. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned like a lot of collaboration between different um, like scientists and physicians, you know, you're gonna be a physician scientist, you're gonna have both in one. So how do you plan on using your MD and your PhD after you graduate, like after residency and fellowship, like throughout your career?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I know NIH recommends an 80-20 split. So 80% in the lab, 20% in the clinic. It really varies. um, And I think that's the beauty of it, that uh, I get to kind of change my direction as I pursue my career and see where I want to put like my best foot forward. As of right now, my plan is uh, after MD-PhD is done, hopefully residency. And then after residency, I'm not sure if I want to get a postdoc fellowship. really depends on how much research I can do during my residency. And then, um, but I do know that I want to work in an academic institution. Uh, I kind of want to wear like three hats. I want to um, have my own lab. I want to perform surgeries, but I also want to teach medical school lectures and kind of contribute to like the development of future minds. So yeah, that's a long trajectory. But <laughs> yeah, that's how I see it. Honestly, I see myself kind of like setting foot in both directions, both in science and medicine, kind of taking the lessons that I see in the clinic that I see is missing. And then hopefully using that to theorize different ways that I can traject my science and then bringing that back to the clinic ultimately into the patients. And this is like decades of work that I might not even see the fruits of my labor, but that's okay because the whole point of it is to really push as much as you can. So the next person can pick up where you left off.
0: That's a good point. And yeah, you're right. This takes years, like, especially because the MD PhD program itself is eight years long and then you have to consider residency and fellowship. So we can definitely add like time, I guess, as like a con, but what are some pros and cons that you could think of in terms of pursuing an MD-PhD?
1: Yeah. um, I would say the con right off the bat, since we uh, mentioned time, another con would be the fact that you really aren't going to fit into either or. Um, You're never going to be the best physician and you're never going to be the best scientist. And that's something you're going to hear constantly throughout your career. But I think the whole point of the MD-PhD is not to be the best of either or, it's to be the best of the intersect to be the best MD PhD. And so that brings a novel perspective, right? Like you say, we talked about perspectives earlier, developing the MD mindset and the PhD mindset, but there's also the MD PhD mindset. That's the person that's doing the intersect work. The one that's trying to translate all the work and trying to come up with new questions on both sides of the end. So That you could say is a con that you don't fit in, but a pro is you get to develop something that no one else in the world really understands. No one else with a single degree, at least. And MD PhDs around the country, honestly, it's pretty rare. It's very like niche field, you could say. Major props to you guys that do want to pursue it. I I was definitely wondering whether I should do it or not, but I think you just have to really ask yourself, like, why do you need that PhD? What is the whole point of research and why do you want to contribute to this perspective and how do you plan on seeing it in your life and I really I think it just comes down to passion like are you really passionate about this um, and what can you do with it (laughs) other pros I would say um, of the MD PhD uh, as I mentioned the pro of developing this novel mindset this unique mindset of an MD PhD but also pro of getting that protected time to really do whatever research you really want to do you won't get four to five years to really do everything without administrative duties or the clinical duties or the grad duty or the scientist duties that you have later on in your career, as you do as a PhD student. And that mentorship, that like one-on-one mentoring, like right there as a student, that's very, that's a very unique perspective that you can get as a student. So that's another pro. But MSTPs specifically, which are medical scientist training programs, A really cool thing about them, a really cool thing, honestly, about dual degrees in general, is that they have specific courses that you take that makes you think like a dual degree um, graduate. So, for instance, I took a class this summer that was about fundamentals and research that I won't be able to cover in medical school. And it was basically connecting us with other physicians and physician scientists around UAB that talked about their research. But every lecture they gave us was about how to think like a scientist in medicine. And then next summer, we're gonna have grant writing courses and other courses like careers as a physician scientist, so specific courses that make you know what the trajectory of this career is gonna look like and how to really intersect between the two careers, um, which you really can't get if you're focusing on just one or the other at a distinct time. So these are like specific programs geared to develop that dual mindset. Another benefit of an MSTP, now finances shouldn't drive your career. Unless uh, the circumstances make you do so, but MSTPs are fully funded by the NIH and you get a stipend on top of that. So my tuition for medical school and graduate school is covered and I get, I think it can go up to a $31,000 stipend every year um, as you progress throughout your uh, education. So that that's a huge weight off your load, right? I mean, finances and loans, that can be a big struggle. But that is, a, that is honestly a pro that I'm very grateful for um, as I pursue this career. But again, that should not be the determining factor of why you should choose an MD-PhD. It's a very long road. So really make sure you want it.
0: So when you're applying for MD-PhD programs, do you have a separate application cycle for PhDs or is it just like one application cycle that's like geared for the program itself? How does the application process work?
1: Yeah, good question. So on AMCAST, there is two additional essays you have to submit for your primary. The first one being your personal statement of YMD PhD specifically. So that one's going to really make sure you know why the PhD is necessary because you have a personal statement for YMD, but this is an additional personal statement for the YMD PhD. And then you have another essay that you need to submit for your significant research experience essay. So talking about, it's like a 10,000 character essay of all the research experiences that have led you to this point. And that's what, that one's more technical. I would honestly get like your PI or a research tech to kind of read that because you'll notice in like the MD essays, it's kind of like, why do you want to do this? Like, how will you be a better person through this? Um, What did you learn from it? The research essay is more technical. It's like, what did you do? What did you learn from it really quick? And like, talk about how that kind of created your storyline of why you want to become a scientist ultimately. Um, and then you have secondary essays as well. Uh, typically, M- MD, PhD app- secondary applications are longer because they have more questions geared towards a dual degree. Um, and then interviews are also longer <laughs> because you need to interview with the MD committee, the PhD committee, and the MD, PhD committee. So there's like a lot of interviews that happen on um, interview days, but it's honestly fun. I think. My faith, I think, honestly, my MD PhD experiences have been more lax than my MD ones, um, because when you, I, I think my the people that I've met have been more like friendly about research. They're more like, let's talk about research as like collaborators, you know, like as like colleagues, and just like let's see if we like fit well together. Because I think ultimately that's what rotations are gonna be like, where like it's like, can we work together to, uh, study what I want to study, to ask the question that I want to ask in the right manner. But yeah, that's the timeline essentially for MSDP.
0: Um, interviews for med school or for MD programs are the same way. I remember my interview with one of the medical schools that um, I think it was like early on. I think it was like September, or October. It was like one of my first interviews and I was so scared. And I was going in. I was like, oh no, what are they going to ask? Like I memorized my entire application. Like anything that they ask, I'll know it. And I walked in and the whole time we talked about Shakespeare because I love writing poetry in my free time. And that's just what my interviewer asked about. And the entire interview, I kid you not, the entire thing was about Shakespeare. Not once did we talk about medicine. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I realized like-
1: <laughs> I Those, are realized, <laughs> yeah, Those are the best. Those are the best interviews. fun.
0: it was interviews. so fun. That was, one, that was probably one of my favorite interviews. But um, I realized once you get to the interview stage, like they've seen your application, they've seen all that. So they know you're good at the medical part. They just wanna mm. know if like you're human. Do you have a life outside of medicine? Do you have passions outside of medicine? Do you have things that ground you when medical school will get tough? So I remember you mentioned in like the first question, you said like you love dance. So in uh, hip hop, right? So do you find yourself like now that you've had like two, two weeks of medical school, do you find yourself having time or making time to uh, fit in dance into your schedule? And if so, like how?
1: Yeah, I, I haven't danced in a while, but I've been more into hiking lately, Um, definitely more outdoorsy. So I do kind of force myself that time of like, all right, I need to take some time off to kind of recoup. So yeah, I mean, this past weekend I went on a hike. So that was fun. Um, I definitely, I do try to make sure I schedule in time. I think that's the only way that keeps me sane of like scheduling time for myself. Um, I'm a big planner. I love like making sure everything's on my calendar properly. But I also need that spontaneity in my life, so I schedule time where I can be spontaneous. Almost oh like God. I wake up <laughs> on a Saturday morning. It's like, I, yeah, <laughs> scheduled like, I don't know, maybe like from like a nine a.m. to like one, and it's like, don't make it your mind up yet. But like when you wake up at nine, like decide what to do, and you get to do it. So that kind of gives me a little edge, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, all right, we get to kind of on like the edge a little bit, um, and just kind of go hike or be outdoors for a bit. But Yeah, I think that's the biggest key. Definitely have a passion outside of medicine. One of the best quotes I ever read was, as you pursue medicine, you need to have a hobby that forces you to think about nothing but your breath. And that I really try to embody that, whether it's like me running or whether it's me hiking, like I really can't think of anything else other than me heaving. So (laughs) (laughs) um, I need that. And that's great because once it's done, it's like, oh, wow, look at that. I had a solid break where I really didn't think about medicine or science. And now I'm like kind of ready with a clear mind to go back stronger than I would have with a dull mind kind of drained out. But yeah, other than that, really find different markers that remind you of why you want to do what you want to do. It's a long journey. So you need that. You need that support system, whether it's within yourself or the people around you, but definitely find different things that keep you going.
0: For sure. And as an MD, PhD student, actually, this is also in terms of your undergraduate experience too, but mentorship, it's easy to find mentorship when it comes to your PhD side or your research side, because you have your PI, right. And it's easy to build that that relationship because you're kind of forced to like every single day you see them in the research lab and you, it naturally forms that like longitudinal mentorship experience. But when it comes to like the MD side of things, have you found, um, do you have any tips in terms of building that longitudinal mentorship experience with MD mentors, like doctors, both in the undergrad sense and also
1: in medical school? Yeah, I am very new into medical school, so I haven't had much experience yet with developing mentorship, with developing a relationship with the mentors in medical school. From my undergraduate experience, the physicians that I reached out to were phenomenal. I think, honestly, just cold cut reach out to everyone, (laughs) just shoot them an email being like, hey, I would love to shadow you or would love to learn from you. And The majority of the time, like most of the time, you will get a response being like, of course, I would love to have you as a mentee. Of course, people are busy sometimes and they might not get back to you. And that's kind of everywhere. But going to your point of uh, research mentorship can be hit or miss, honestly. I think it really depends on what kind of mentor your PI is. I was very fortunate to have a PI in my undergrad that was always there. It was always like really close to me, would always like make sure that I was learning, would always make sure that I knew what I was doing. And if if I had a question, he was accessible. That's the biggest thing of any mentor, make sure they're accessible so that if you have a question, you're comfortable asking them that because you're never gonna grow if you don't ask the question. And if you don't feel comfortable to ask the question, then there's no relationship there. But sometimes it can vary. So I know of people and I have had experiences um, where, Either the PI is very busy or you were you just don't really mesh well with the mentorship style. Obviously, there are different mentorship styles, right? So really understand what you like as a mentee and try to find that in a mentor. So that takes a lot of self-reflection. And honestly, every growth takes a lot of self-reflection, especially in this field. We should constantly be introspective. Yeah, mentorship is very key. It's key to everything. It's key to success, key to personal happiness, mental wellness throughout this endeavor, First, I think you should ask yourself what kind of mentorship you need and then try to seek out mentors by literally like emailing random people, like talking to your friends. I mean, like, hey, who was your mentor? Can I talk to them as well? Like anyone, reach out to anyone and see if they fit in with that.
0: What other things do you look for when you're, um, when you're choosing a research lab, either to do a rotation with for MD, PhD, or even like to work with an undergrad?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say the first thing you wanna look for is that mentorship and good administration. And I guess this is more specifically to MD, PhD programs in general when you're choosing different programs, but for research labs as well, this also is applicable. Uh, Make sure there's a good mentorship level between you and that mentor um, or even other graduate students in the lab. The second thing is you wanna make sure that your research interests do align It doesn't have to be exactly what you want to study. I mean, if you want to, that's fine. It really depends on what you as a person would want to do. But for me, my number one is mentorship. My number two is research interest. And my number three is if I have the resources and funding to be able to accomplish what I want to study. So that's what goes into choosing the rotations that I want to do and where I want to do my PhD. Um, And a lot of that Honestly, comes from talking to other people, and really, the whole point of a rotation is really test and trial run, right? It's kind of like you're dating different PIs, (laughs) trying to figure out what works for you. So, yeah, that's um, my advice for choosing a rotation.
0: Yeah, that's good advice. Um, I was talking to one of my other MD PhD friends, and they mentioned that um, during the first two years, where it's your MD portion, they found themselves doing a lot of like clinical research before their like basic science research, which is like the four years. Right. And they found themselves like, you know, falling more and more in love with like research and then like spending less time in like the clinical aspects, even though they wanted that that time, too. So, like, basically, they found a hard time, like balancing the clinical aspect of medicine with the research aspect. Have you had that difficulty? And if so, how do you plan on combating that or finding that balance?
1: Yeah, I think I definitely will face that in my career. I think everyone does of like, where do you want to set your foot forward? Um, Currently, because my MSTP is a pretty structured program, I haven't felt that because I did research um, before medical school started and I was really focused on research and then medical school started. Now I'm experiencing it in a very minute level because I'm working on an abstract right now throughout like medical school starting. And like, even though it's just the first two weeks of med school, like I haven't really felt like the full brunt force of fundamentals yet, um, which is like where we learn about like the biochemistry and microbiome and all that stuff. But I know that even just now trying to navigate between like working on my poster and then going to class and like really like learning what I'm learning right now, it's gonna get complicated. I think it's like foreshadowing what I'm gonna see in my career of like, which one do I need to focus on at the moment? And actually, um, I attended a conference. It was the American Physician Scientist Association West Regional Conference um, earlier this year. And one of the keynote speakers, one one of the things that you said that stood out to me was, you are never going to be bored as a physician scientist. You're constantly going to have things to do in different sectors of the fields of science and medicine. And every week is going to look different because like one week you might do like more administrative stuff, then go to the surgery or go to the operating room and then go back to your lab. And the next week you start your week in the lab, and then you do surgeries, and then you do administrative duties, and then the other week, all you do is just teach lectures, and like, it really will constantly vary, so I think what's working for me right now is taking it on a week-by-week basis, Um, if I need to focus on working on my poster, then I'll do that, um, and then like, do the clinical stuff afterwards, if I need to focus on like a med school exam, I will do that, um, and maybe push research till the exam's done, so I'm just going to take it on a week-by-week basis, and I know like, I know that i'll be able to do research throughout my PhD so i'm really not like pressed to continue research throughout medical school, so I think i'm honestly just going to focus on. med school right now and then do my PhD and then come back and do clinicals, but one thing I will say is throughout my PhD UAB actually does a really good job of like being able to kind of um, make sure you're still involved with healthcare so you don't forget the clinical stuff Um, when you have to come back to M3, the transition is really nice. Um, And then all the UAB mentors here are awesome that you can shadow them throughout and they're good good ways to kind of refurbish your skills before you go back into the clinic. That is something I will definitely have to handle when I reach that phase of my life. But right now it's not too bad yet, but yes, it is impending.
0: (laughs) Fundamentals is fun. I majored in biochem in undergrad and so fundamentals, you know, how you start off with biochem. I remember I had a bunch of peers that asked me for help around like the third week where they're like, oh, like biochem is getting hard." We were like on genetics, I think. And um, and like higher level biochem. They're like, can you help me out? I'm like, dude, like we covered everything from undergrad in the first two weeks of medical school. So I'm learning new things now, too, <laughs> even oh, though I majored man. in this. So this is great.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I'm excited. Yeah.
0: Like they're right when it's, when people compare it to like a fire hydrant, where it really is like just so much information being thrown at you. And it comes down Mm -hmm. to how you can organize that information in your head. So like if you can, so, oh my God, you need to take this, this test where it's like, I think it's like, uh, how do you study or how do you learn? Um, I, I, if you like look up the test, it'll come up, but basically like after the test, it'll tell you like, are you more of an auditory learner or a visual learner or like hands on like something like that? And, um, mine came back and it was like half visual, half auditory. So for me, it's like drawing diagrams and then like, basically like out loud, like reteaching myself a lecture. So like, if you can Mm -hmm. figure out how you study best, right. Like before, like you go into fundamentals before you hit like the hardest things, in my opinion, the hardest was micro, all of the bacteria, all the viruses that you need to know that that was really tough for me. And it was kind of boring for me. So it was hard for me to study. But, um, right after that was cardiology. So, you know, I, lo- I loved it after. <laughs> so like, yeah. The
1: second years of are doing neuro.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so I think knowing how you study best will get you so far in medical school, whether it's MD, PhD, whether it's MD or any dual program, like in general, I think for grad school where everything is just harder, right? Because it's, it's more, it's, more technical. And it's, you know, like the deeper you go into a field, the more you try to master it, the harder it gets. And that's just how it is. So like knowing how you study best really helps with that. So if you could, you could give a pre-medical student one piece of advice, whether it's MD, PhD, whether it's MD, whatever, they're considering medicine. What is that piece of advice that you would give?
1: I would say just go with your gut. Go with your gut, follow your heart, do what you love. At the end of the day, it's you that's doing it. So if you are in it, you're going to do it. And however long it takes you, don't let that boggle you down. Because when you do it, when you accomplish it, you are going to feel so much better because you are going to live the life that you've wanted to live. And you're going to be giving back to a society that has given you so much. I mean, it takes a village to raise you. So now it's your time to give back to that village. And keep that in mind as you pursue whatever career you choose to do, especially if you choose to do an MD, PhD, dual degree program, don't lose your why. Don't lose what brought you in there. It's going to look different. You're going to see something that reminds you, oh my God, I saw a cadaver last week and I met my cadaver. And that was such an that was such a sacred moment to see that and be in that space. And that was an instant, like, I know exactly where I am. And I'm so grateful to be here. And then you get back into the grind of things and you forget maybe. That's fine. That's fine too. That happens because you're so so focused on the task at hand that maybe you don't think of the broad picture, but then maybe you see your first C-section, which happened actually. And to me, I literally teared up. Like to see that, to be able to be in that space again, it reminded me, wow, I am pursuing something so unique, so vulnerable, so beautiful that not many people get to do. And that's an instant reminder of your why. And I'm sure when biochem starts, I'm gonna be like, oh my God, I have so many things to do. And I'm like, I kind of get in that nitty gritty um, grind. And then maybe I get to present my poster on September 14th. And I can already see myself when I present that, I'm gonna feel so great again, because I'm like, oh my God, look at this. I get to translate and communicate the research that I had just been working on and bring it out to the public. And that's the beauty of science in that case. Being able to, to me, that makes me really happy because I get to show everyone what we had just found and hopefully bring that to new minds so that they think about that when they come up with their ideas. That's how I think science communicates in general. You all build off of one another. Um, So yeah, don't forget your why. Don't forget what brings you to where you are today and just do it.
0: Do you have a little phrase that you tell yourself every time, like you reach that point where like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, do you have a little phrase that you tell yourself that keeps you going?
1: To me, what has worked in previous years in my undergrad experience and even in my gap year was reaching out to friends and family. And they are the best resources. You, they're the best resources you can think of because they see a perspective of you that you don't see of yourself. So when you forget things about yourself and you kind of like need that pick me up that you can't internally bring they will remind you. They will tell you what they have seen and they will show you who you are when you can't see who you are for yourself. And on top of that, motivation varies. It goes back and forth. Sometimes I'm very motivated, sometimes I'm very down. And one thing my dad always told me was discipline is the key to success. And my mom always told me that an idle mind is the devil's playground. So those two quotes have literally driven my mind. So I guess if you ask me what phrases. Are stuck in my mind that I keep reminding myself it's those two phrases discipline is the key to success and an idle mind is the devil's playground so I constantly just like okay I gotta do this I I know why I'm here and if I don't remember I'll reach out to my friend real quick get that reminder and then I will keep those two phrases in mind as I continue
0: that's good yeah I think mine um especially like studying medicine mine was always like five extra minutes of studying now will save a life later. But like, you need to stop yourself at some point, because if you don't draw that line, you will get burnt out. Cause then you'll just keep studying on and on. Cause you're like, Oh, like five more minutes. It'll save someone's life later. And I mean, yeah, it's true. It will. Yeah. Someone
1: actually said in our orientation week, I wrote this down. I started a journal. um, Also super big advice for all 'all y'all pre-meds or anyone in their journey, keep a journal write down everything you see, things that are just unreal that you want to re-experience in your own writing, write it down. Because I can guarantee you're going to go back years later, or maybe days later and just be like, wow, I'm so grateful. I logged this experience. So I never forget. But one of my favorite quotes that I heard was, I'm a human being, not a human doing.
0: Oh my God. I love
1: that. It really like, it stood out to me. That's why I wrote it down because I was like, yes, like you're right. I need to be present in what I am, where I am, um, I'm not constantly just doing, I'm being, right? So.
0: Yeah. And also seeing the bigger picture too. Like, for example, like when you start biochem and genetics, that's your fundamentals. When you start that, you're, you are going to get bogged down with the facts, especially like all the different biochem pathways. And like, it just, it seems so technical and a and scientist point of view, part of you will come out and be like, wow, this is so cool. The mechanisms and all that. But your clinical mind is going to sit back and just watch because it is all technical stuff. And the way that I kind of went around it, because I'm not like MD, PhD, right? So like that scientist part of me is there, but I'm a lot more of the clinical mind. So when I faced that, my way of going about it was listening to podcasts or like cases that were really cool where patients came in and they had these genetic conditions or biochem pathways that were dysfunctional, like those kinds of things where I saw this in action or listened to it in action. It made me realize there is a bigger picture and it made me feel like I was more present when I was studying. I think that's a great advice all around when you're when you're considering any year of medical school is just realizing there is a bigger picture and sticking to that bigger picture instead of getting lost in like in the weeds so thank you so much for joining us today you were amazing we loved your advice and hopefully all of you pre-meds out there that are considering MD, PhD have a clearer view now of what MD, PhD means pros and cons of it and If you have any other questions, please reach out, and we might do another MD-PhD segment later down the road. Thank you so much for joining us, Rishi.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day.
0: All right. Bye, guys.